Patriots, and it's Sunday, September 10th. I guess if you're on the East Coast, it's like the end of Sunday on September 10th, which is pretty cool. Hey, before we get going, a um, couple things. Crazy times. Crazy times needs preparations. A couple things to highlight for preparations. One is EMP protection, and that comes from empshield.com. And empshield.com, if you use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, you're going to get $50 off and free shipping. And I believe they're continuing with the site-wide 10% off in addition. So it's a really good deal. And they're great products. You can get them for each one of your vehicles, RVs, ATVs, your house, Your uh, base station, say, for your ham radio, your ins- your permanent installed generator, your even your uh, solar panel systems. Good system, really important to have. We're kind of heading into a crazy window. Probably a good idea to get one installed. And uh, considering that the cabal is kind of in its last throes, doing everything it can to burn and scorch the earth. So anyway, check it out, empshield.com. Use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, and you're going to be a happy camper once you get that installed. Great insurance and worth every bit. 
includes and also protects against lightning strikes and solar flares. So really good stuff. Another thing to consider in this time too, because we're heading into the fall, getting gardens prepared. Perhaps you're doing a winter garden or you're just cleaning up and getting your garden set for the spring. You need to check out treadlightbroadforks.com, treadlightbroadforks.com. The link is always below the podcast. The best tool out there overall for garden and one of the best tools for your garden. Obviously in a time when we've got insane pressure to try to make us all not want to use gas, trying to make us all feel like we're supposed to eat bugs and whatever else they want you to do. Um, time to grow a garden, time to keep your garden, grow and have animals too. But in your garden sense, you need tools that are durable, lasting, and uh, won't let you down. And you only need to buy once and, and, and have it forever. And that's a Treadlight Broad Fork. Fantastic product. I've used many, for me, used it for almost two or three years now. So highly recommend it. So check out treadlightbroadforks.com. And with it, you'll get free shipping when you use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. We're in kind of an interesting window. And um, a lot of interesting prophecy coming out. I'm going to go over some stuff tonight. I'm going to start with the weekend. And it's been a good one, but a busy one. We left yesterday morning. So today is Sunday. So Saturday morning, I left here at 2 a.m. And I drove north to link up with a buddy of mine, Jared. And then he, we grabbed his trailer, 24-foot 24 cattle trailer, stock trailer. And then we drove another five, five and a half hours up to Pilot Rock, which is up near Pendleton, Oregon, where we linked up with Terry Anderson, who runs Anderson Land and Livestock. And... Um, and so we got a chance to see the ranch up there, which was beautiful. He runs a 16,000-plus-acre ranch where he raises and some of the finest Sim Angus in the country, which for those of you that don't know, Sim is Simital Angus. Great, great animals, beautiful animals. And this kind of rolls back to what I had talked about a bit, a bit ago, that I'm replacing the entire herd. I... The genetics in the current herd that I have are just weak, and we've had a lot of anger issues. We had had one cow go crazy, and we had a we had a couple steers kind of lose their mind, and that's just bad genetics. And so I just decided to sell the entire entire herd, which they're all sold now. Kept the bull that I picked up from Terry last spring, and took Terry's advice, and sold the herd and applied that, and, and bought new cows. And so. Picked up 11 new cows, all pregnant and preg tested, and they'll all deliver around December time frame. And so we got, we got, we managed to get 10 of them into the trailer. And um, we got on down the road about, I don't know, it was a pretty rough road coming out, not rough, but steep and hard. And that's hard for the cattle coming out. It can be a little rough in a trailer. So we got down about, I don't know, 15, miles, maybe 20 at most, he's pulled over to get some gas, and we had three cows down inside the trailer, which is bad. And, you know, it's interesting in this, we, we got kind of a taste of old world, and this is where I'm, where the story's going, is the values that we've long lost in our nation. So I called Terry, and we're 
sitting down. He has a bull development center, but we were about two miles past that turnoff, and nobody was at his bull development center. And we were two miles farther down, two to three miles further down the road, getting some gas. And um, I said, I carry, you know, I told him what was going on, and he's like, Scott, I'm really sorry to hear that. Let me call somebody. He said, go two miles further down the road, and he said, that's where the where the stockyard is for selling cattle, celery, cell yard. He said, I'll call my guy and he'll meet you down there. And we no more pulled up. We had two people literally like racing down there with us to meet us, pulled the trailer up and immediately they were there to help us give us a hand through the gate, open them the back of the, of the, of the trailer, got the cows up, got them out. One of them, the last one out was the hardest. She was stuck pretty hard up in front of the trailer, got them out. They were all good, no damage, no injuries, nothing. Well, really, it was just neat to see. I mean, I, and I'm saying this because there's such a passion for these animals and their well-being. And this is the part in the time that we live, that we live around a lot of narratives about the evils of eating meat, the evils of raising animals, the evils of ranchers. And I really don't know where, I mean, other than the fact that it's a, it's a CIA psyop to force everybody to eat bugs as part of the global attempt and the Nazi attempt to destroy human race. But it's really, you see this and you have to ask yourself really like, what has become of us as a nation? What has become of the people in cities? If you're in a city, you know, you really know what I'm talking about because there are just so many stupid liberal people in our country. And, I, and I'm not, I've, I've just kind of turned a point now where we have to ask ourselves literally like, what are we fighting for and what are we standing for? God gave us animals to steward as part of a process. And you know, in a simple sense, like I've talked about before, cows have three stomachs to process grass. We have one stomach to process beef. It works. And I don't think it's any coincidence either, by the way, that the carnivore diet has gained immense, not just popularity, but awareness in this nation at the critical point when they're trying to force everybody to eat bugs and lab-grown meat. I talked to Dr. Lee Merritt today, who's going to be at Bards Fest, and we were talking, she's gone to the carnivore now, to carnivore diet to try it out, and she's like, she just can't believe how well it's working. She's doing the research and looking more and more just the absolute level of corruption that they put into our food supply to cause all sorts of microbiome problems in people intentionally. And what the carnivore diet does is it strips that. It takes that away and it denies it so that your body has a chance to heal and it's rebuilt. But anyway, back to the cows. And I'm watching the guy that's there. He's an older gentleman. Arrives right away in his truck. Uh, another woman arrived right away in her car. They both walk out. If you've seen these, they're long cattle sticks to kind of move the cattle along. And, you know, there's such this image that comes out of this liberal class. And the, the liberal class is they're, they're elite, they're decadent, they're, they like to, they're arrogant. I can go on a list of things. And I'm not kind with it, and I'm not going to be kind with it, and I'm not going to sit here and give tolerance to it because they're trying to lead people to a destructive way of life. 
because they don't want something everybody else has to. And they've missed the greatest experience also in watching how much care is given to these animals. And so I go back to these two people, strangers for me, immediately just working quickly with us, jumping in to make sure that those cattle get up and out. And then we put them into into the yard, kind of broke them off a little bit, divided them out so they could have a chance to calm down. We give them a chance to relax because they're pretty, they get pretty excited. Then we were able to kind of observe the cows and decide which two we were going to hold back. One was a little more excited than the other. It was actually, it was that particular cow I'm pretty sure that we left back that caused the problem in the first place. She got really agitated inside the trailer and climbed up on top of another cow. And that's when the whole thing started a domino effect. So as I started, as we finished, um, this gentleman that was running the, the stockyard there, I came up to him and I, 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 handed him, I handed him $50. And I said, I just wanted to thank you. He says, no, I can't take that. I said, man, you came out here and saved our tail. You don't know us from anybody. He says, this is my job. He says, this is what I do. I've done this for, I think he said, 30 years. And he said, I work for Terry. He says, when Terry calls and needs help, I don't care who it is. If it's someone that Terry knows, I'm going to be here. And, you know, it's just such a, this is the world I grew up in. Okay, so. Terry and I did our business on a handshake. There's no written contract. This is the world I grew up with. And these values need to come back to America. And it's all based on trust. And so as I sat there and had this incredible time, Jared was with me. We were both just, you know, totally blessed and pleased with what's going on. And and just so I highlight it, I mean, Jared's somebody who's run cattle, a lot, obviously a lot more than me because I don't know cattle well. I'm learning a lot fast. Drink in front of the fire hose, as they say. What an awesome friendship I've built with him very quickly since Bards Fest. And it's just a, God just keeps putting people in our paths. And I think so much of what's happening is as we are walking in that body of Christ, God is pulling together those people that share those values, that, again, we're rebuilding the trust or the body of Christ, the network of people. And that was just even finding Terry Anderson. Was a, I was led, I was doing some research and, and randomly came up with this place, but I was drawn, I just couldn't, God is like, you need to call Terry. This goes back to last spring. He's a big producer. I'm buying one bull, he sells you know, he sells 100 cows to one guy and he sells 50 bulls to somebody else. But he's a person that runs his ranch on the old school way that everybody's equal. It doesn't matter who you are. He's going to give you as much time as somebody else because he cares for his animals and he cares that they get good homes and he wants people to have good programs to raise good animals for the work that they do. And that's a, a purpose and intent in the world of somebody who understands why they're here. Every one of us needs to strive to this. It's old values. It's the values my grandfather shared with me. It's the values that were imposed upon my father. My dad did work by a handshake. I remember in 2000, I think it was 2000, 2001, when we had to convert to contracts because of some really 
big jackass that had moved up from California that created so much problems in a particular job that, and I was in the process of taking the business from my dad and I had to make the decision to go to contracts. And it was a real change in the business. The whole flavor in the business wasn't the same. My dad had done business for years on a handshake and in a good estimate, but a handshake. And this one person who happens to still reside, unfortunately, in our county, and that if he so has happened to take the shot, which I hope he did, I would encourage him to take every one of them that came out. I think it'd be good for him. This person was so bitter and such a, a sniveling little piece of turd in the life his actions led to so much damage in a process of a business that you had to take a step back and set up contracts. But that's not the way things used to be. My, my great-grandfather, Kelly Kesterson, who you can still, if you go out eastern Montana, you can do some research. There is a what's called the Rattlesnake Schoolhouse. You can still find it. If you do some research, it's not easy to find, but it's in Google Maps, the Rattlesnake Schoolhouse. That Rattlesnake Schoolhouse was built by my grandfather, Kelly Kesterson. It was a one-room one schoolhouse, obviously named because there's rattlesnakes around the schoolhouse. But everything he did, he never needed a plan, never needed a design. All, you had to, all he had to do was have you tell him what you needed, and he would build it for you. On a handshake, always carry his tools on the trust of somebody else. In the old world, we took care, they took care of each other, and they looked out for each other, and they also levied justice. They weren't afraid of that, but they also had a, a balance on justice. And I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because I think it's very relevant tonight. There was a friend of my granddad's, and for, for the sake of the conversation, we're just going to call him Joe because I can't even remember his name anyway. But this guy got himself in some trouble, and he was known once in a while to rustle some cattle. Now, coming out of an era, but still, rustling cattle was, that was a crime, and it could, it could cost you your life. And he rustled some cattle. My granddad got word that they were going to take care of him. So he rode up on his horse just as they were about ready to hang Joe. And there were three other cowboys there. And my granddad was a cowboy. Let's just be clear. I mean, he lived on his horse. He would, it was normal in his day to, to ride as he did, carry his fiddle, which I still have, carry his fiddle and ride 80 miles, play all night, and then get on his horse and ride home. My grandmother rode her horse to and from school and tells the stories, told the story when she was alive that she'd get so tired of coming back late that she'd fall asleep on the back of the horse and the horse would take her, take her all the way through and even lower itself as it was going through certain sections of the trail where the trees were low so she wouldn't get bumped off. That sort of relationship in living was completely different than what we have today. We moved from a living and interactive relationship with animals, a stewardship where we were truly with them and part of them to driving inanimate objects or tools, not, not experiences. My my horse today is a four wheel ATV, but and for me to learn horseback at this age is not not that it's impossible, but it's not very practical, 
at this moment in time. Unless, of course, we have an EMP, and then I'll jump right on that and have no problem. But anyway, so my granddad rides up, and they've got the rope around Joe's neck, and he's on his horse, and they're ready to smack the horse on the tail and send him on the horse on his way and let him swing and hang from a tree. And as my granddad rides up, he says, gentlemen, there's not going to be any hanging today. And the three cowboys looked at him and said, Stan, this isn't any of your business. Get out. He says, I'm telling you, there's not going to be a hanging today. And they said, Stan, there's three of us and there's one of you. And my granddad tells them, he says, I know. He says, but I'll shoot two of you before you can draw. And then we'll see who wins the third shot. And my granddad was a great shot. Very good. Very quickly draw from the scabbard. Notorious for his accuracy. Uh, one of the things he would do just for fun is ride at a full, just take the horse out in a full full run and draw from the, from the scabbard and shoot a jackrabbit on full run across the, on across his land. That was kind of his fun shooting. So he was, he was good. And my whole line of family were great shots. And so in, in that moment, the, the cowboys went away and, and told Joe, this isn't over. Well, there was something that happened right there that's pretty important because I, I, it's, I've kind of got the story from my grandma, grandfather over the years. My granddad interceded because two things were about to happen. One, a man was about ready to be killed for a crime that he wasn't a bad guy. He just had done some stupid things. Secondly, my granddad, whether those cowboys realized it or not, was looking out for them. Because even though justice was by, you could hang somebody for cattle rustling, you could still end up in prison for killing somebody. So he did the right thing. And he did the moral thing. Now remember, this is a this is a time. This is a time when Bibles were critical in the home. I have my grandmother's Bible. It's beautiful. It's an 1890 Bible. I need to get it restored, but it's in the leather bound. It's all Roman numerals. It's um, which is interesting. If you have not read a Bible with Roman numerals, I'm going to tell you you're going to be looking up what Roman numerals and what which numerals are which because it's been a long time since I've studied that. But in the Bible, you find the family marriages and the deaths and the births. It's all recorded because that was the family history and it was read. And my grandmother read the Bible and there were bookmarks where she had things. So I'm saying all this because this is a world that worked off of a moral base. Joe, in this example, obviously was a deviant child. So I just want to continue that story to kind of show you how this works. Because while I told you those cowboys said it wasn't over, and I don't think Joe believed him. And my grandfather interceded where he needed to, to keep one man alive and keep the other men from ending up in jail. And though that may not have been the popular thing to do, it was the right thing to do. And he did so by putting his life in on the line for a man that had made a, a number of mistakes. That's a value base that we don't appreciate this day. We're very selfish in our focus in life. And a lot of that is because we don't connect well. We don't, we don't do things at the root of the nature of the world. We don't do things in the types of skills anymore that tie us to the land and tie us to the animals and 
tie us as stewards of the earth. So Joe went back to his property. He lived over on the, I guess it was on the south side of town, maybe the west side of town. I can, I can see it in my head. I'm just kind of bearing it, putting a bearing where it is. Little town of Custer, Montana. And the first night, his haystack caught on fire. The second night, his barn burned down. And he was informed if it goes another night, they're going to burn his house down. He got the message. He left town. Years later, he came back, but very carefully. But he left town. That's a form of justice. And there was a consequence for what he did. And the community absorbed the problem, but dealt with the problem. He didn't need a sheriff, didn't need a call to 911, didn't need to file a police report. What you needed were good men, good moral men, even the cowboys that were going to hang him. I'm going to say good moral men. Because in that tension of fight, those are that's a man's conversation. That's alpha male. Each one focused on the rightness of what they were going to do, but respecting each other in that critical moment, not to do something. Ultimately, the cowboy's not doing something they would have regretted, potentially. And my granddad doing the right thing to keep everybody kind of in check and then allowing that justice to happen, as I'm sure my granddad knew would happen. That's the type of world that we're trying to build back to. In my, at least that's the pursuit that I'm after. I don't, I don't want anything to do with this soy gene, bug-eating, neuro-displaced insanity that these people seem to want. And the thing is that I keep getting information from people that I know that are well-placed, contacts that I have, and, it, and this, this deluge of information that keeps coming out are things like the world's going to change. It's going to be different than we've ever seen. There's huge technologies coming. It's going to transform who we are as humanity. And every time my response is, I don't want any of it. I don't want any of it. I want a simpler life. Because it's the ancient paths so it's where there when we connect with God. And I really think that where we're headed into right now is a place that's going to challenge us in a bigger way. We're in a process of peeling back the like a rotted layer in our life. We're, we're seeing it. The country's been taken over by psychopaths. There's strange anomalies we can't account for. There's events, people that don't show up. I mean, there's things that we obviously can see that we're building to something rather significant. For those that are out here and walking kind of in the la-la land of, of the uh, hyper-tin hatter without having to put a letter on that one, and I think you know where I'm going, they all see this. They want to see this as a movie, and it's a great show. And for the other side that is trying to bury us in their ideological stupidity, they want us to be in a place where every animal has a human right. And basically what they're doing is they're diminishing in their belief. They're trying to, trying to take us away from being human and what God told us to do, that we're stewards of the earth. 
We were given all these things to steward. And I think that's the big word here is stewardship. The people that are out here thinking this is a movie and the people that are over here telling you you're going to eat bugs are actually the one and the same. They just are telling you a different story. The ones that want to dance around and, you know, when Trump comes back, it's all going to be better. And the other side that's going, you're going to eat bugs and we're going to, we're going to get everybody to, to leave animals alone and, and eat off of these vertical agriculture facilities and you're all going to eat, eat salad and, and carrots for the rest of your life and we're going to drive an EV with you know lithium that's mined by children that are enslaved in the mines of Congo. And the other side that's over here, you know, like when Trump comes back, it's going to be great. We're going to destroy the deep state and we're going to suddenly be free and everything's going to be good again. We're all going to dance around and make a lot of money. They're all one and the same. They're two faces of the same coin. Because at the core of both of those is an ego and a selfishness. It's a I want for me. And in this I, this is where I, I've prayed on this so much this weekend in the last few days, just really leaning into God to say, okay, where are we at here? What is going on? Because somewhere along the way, this has to change. And I can see this freight train rolling off one cliff, which is, We'll call it the bug cliff. And then we have this freight train. Oh, and don't forget the artificial intelligence because they're pretty excited about that too. And then you've got this other side that's wrapped around Trump. And I'm not, I'm not nicking Trump, so be very clear. I'm just identifying. We can call it MAGA. You can call it America first. You can call it whatever you want. And they're all like hyper-focused on, you know, we're going to make, make money, make America great again. What does that look like? And that's the substantive issue that I keep asking is what does it look like? And unfortunately, too often that looks like we're going to have the greatest military in the world. Well, what does that look like? Well, if you're following those trends, you're going to be with artificial intelligence weapons. You're going to be using quantum computing. And then you've got this these two sides kind of link because they all want to see this new quantum financial system. And it's like there's nobody walking through the logic of what's happening. You know, Twitter's back and it's now X and everybody's like, well, we got liberals and we got conservatives there and we've got free speech again as if somehow, as if somehow a digital platform has anything to do with free speech. It's a God-given right. It is not a digital platform. And you just have to sit back and look at this and say, well, you all are just playing the same game because it's all about you. It's not about the the humbleness before the throne. It's not about God's given us these rights. And why I bring this light down on this today is because this plays into a very important role that I see emerging with the remnant, and that's us. Or at least I hope you're aligned with that. If you're not, then you're here on, You're here getting a talk tonight. You're going to be like, what's the remnant? Stick around. We're about ready to show you. This morning I woke up before... Long day yesterday, obviously, got back late last night, got the cows out. The cows are happy. They settled in. The herd settled in well. I've checked on them today. Really happy. They're beautiful, beautiful animals, by the way. These eight cows, and I've got three more to pick up after I get back from Bars Fest. Beautiful. Their coats are gorgeous. Their size, their muscle structure, they're, they're just beautiful animals. 
one of the one of the cows weighed in at over a thousand pounds. She's like a thousand twenty pounds. And Jared and I were going through the list before we loaded the trailer, and we're like, "Wow, these are some big animals," and they're all with calf. And I checked on them today. They've all stayed together. They found a nice little hillock uh, just above the house that they can sit up there in the shade and see the whole valley, which is normal because they want to be safe. They've been grazing some, got them settled in today, got them some protein blocks, got them uh, some mineral. So they're all kind of settled in. So I did that. That was part of my day, but coming out of yesterday, I was pretty tired. And I woke up this morning around four, even though I'd spent 12 hours in the truck with Jared. As I say, Jared drove, and I, I was able to get some sleep time, a couple naps. He was smoked. And as I, I woke up this morning and I, I came across that comment, I found myself very agitated, and I knew what I was agitated about, which was unrelated to anything we had gone through, but I was agitated because of this comment this thing that the New Mexico governor had done by using an emergency act to decide that the Second Amendment no longer is valid. Now, again, let's keep in mind, our rights all come from God. So this is a derailed psychopath that has taken it upon herself to decide that she's going to be God and tell you that you can no longer have your right. And I, I, I was really fuming about this this morning. And so I just want to read something I wrote to a friend to kind of express to you what I was going through. And I want you to hear this because God responded to this very quickly. And so I said, this morning I woke up angry, almost raged. The issue of the New New Mexico governor and trying to take away Second Amendment rights via emergency action had me just on fire. I listened to her and the lies and hatred for America were all over her. So I prayed on it, asking Father frankly, and this is what I asked, how are we supposed to stand by and not turn actions like this of the governor into violent responses to remove such an enemy? And God answered. And he answered quickly and very clearly. And he answered with this, you are walking in a period where the enemy is desperate and throwing everything they have at you to break your will and have you doubt in me. You must now lead more than ever with the strength to stand, speak truth, and not only trust in the authorities I have given you, but use them as the weapons of war. And then he told me to read Hebrews 12, 1-2. So I went through Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 in multiple versions, and I, I, I'm reading now from Amplified because it, it captured more of what God's message was than any of the other versions. And it reads this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight, And the sin which is so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is is the author 
and perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. Man, it's, um, it, it settled me quick. And I think when we, it's not that I think, what I, I had to take a step back on is the presence where we are and the cloud of witnesses that sit in awe of us in this time. The cloud of witnesses that are sitting amazed at what we're going through and what task we have been given. And the thing that's missing is we don't know who we are. And too many of us have never had a true encounter with Father and our Savior Jesus. They lack the intimacy to understand that. And that's a tragedy. And that's a fault, ultimately, of the church. But we are, we are the children of the Most High, selected to be in this time and this place. And that task literally echoes through heaven as they sit and watch us in awe of all that we're going through and watching those that fall, watching those that endure, and watching those that rise up to seek him in all things that we do. And that's where we all need to be. In everything that we're seeking is to seek him. But then there was an additional caveat given to this. And it was, it was something that I didn't expect. And what it is, I'm going to play it here in just a moment. It's about three minutes, so bear with me. I sat down to do a quick little bit of prep after bended knee. I'm sorry, um, coffee, with, coffee in Jesus, which was our morning prayer, which by the way, so I say it, it's now going to be regularly on Sunday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9, p, 9 a.m. Eastern. It was fantastic. We had a great turnout today. It worked super well for me, and I, I had to do a little bit of that selfishly because I needed a full day off, and I have it. So now we have bended knee Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. in the morning to start our days. That's 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern. And then on Sunday, we have Coffee in Jesus, with it's just our prayer and healing session for 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern. So it's all kind of standardized times, nice early get up, powerful session today. Holy Spirit was flowing today. Just incredible experience, three and a half hours of a show this morning, of a gathering. It's not even a show. It's an assembly and a fellowship that we're here praying for healing and casting out demons and raising up the mightiness, even raising the dead today. It was incredible and doing greater works. It was so amazing. So if you're not on that on that program live, you can listen to it. It's always there. It's amazing, the too, by the way, that program. It's amazing. And 
why it's amazing is that not only is it listened to well live, but that program pulls thousands of downloads for a program that's over three and a half hours, and almost all of it is listened to every time it downloads, which proves to you that even though they'll tell you that a, short, a show needs to be a certain time, it's things they tell you in podcasting. When you're driving towards the power of the Holy Spirit and people are drawn to it, time means nothing, which is wonderful. So back to this piece. So as I'm kind of cruising along, and this is still settling with me, with not settling with me, but I'm, I'm just resonating with me with Father has passed on this morning regarding our place, the cloud of witnesses, our need to use our authorities to lean in. It was kind of a leading momentum into today's Coffee and Jesus. And boy, were we laying it down to fearlessly lean in and use our authorities, even to, as we did today, we prayed against the hurricane, which, by the way, I want to say real quick before I keep getting my a major ADD moment tonight, I guess. It's okay. You love me. It's all good. So we prayed against the storm the other night, by the way. And that was on, I'm trying to think when it was. I, I want to say that it was a Friday, maybe. It must have been Friday because we prayed against the storm on bended knee on Friday. And so this morning, another piece I picked up was a really long analysis of this Hurricane Lee from a guy that seriously knows something about weather, which I don't, not like him. And what he was doing was, first of all, revealing how these weather models work, which is completely nonsense, by the way. It's a massive psyop because they just they use these machine learning programs that are going to try to give you predictive analysis of where this is going, which is complete and total garbage most of the time. And he went through and kind of basically makes the argument indirectly that the images that we're seeing are only showing a certain strata of airflow. And so he takes the whole thing up and down like vertically through all the different strata and airflows. And essentially what he comes to the conclusion is, is that it looks like the hurricane has changed course and the, and the weather patterns have changed to where it will likely not hit the coast and it will go upward. So from his perspective, it's like, oh, look at the, anomalies of air and this has happened and now the hurricane's not going to hit land. Now I'm going to give you my perspective is that we, when we prayed on that hurricane on Friday, it was amassing to be a big hurricane with another hurricane. And we prayed and we rebuked it as God has encouraged us to do peace be still and using those authorities that Christ gave us. And so by, by Sunday morning, this storm is apparently now not doing the expected track that it is like, we need to keep praying for it, but there we go. So I, I'm of the firm belief that we have these amazing authorities that we're needing to use. So all of this is happening. God's telling me that we need to be using our authorities in the weapons of this war, which is hard sometimes because we look around and go like, there's another fool doing things. Here's another, here's another person that's getting away with something. And then I come across this, and this is going to bring it all, to, all together here in a moment. And what caught my eye in a feed in YouTube was the, or the, was the title of this piece. God spoke to my wife about a great shaking that is coming. And I looked at that. I'm like, whoa, those are the exact words God told me. And I've used here on this show, the great shaking. So I want you to listen to this three minutes and then we'll pull it all together. Take a listen. She's coming now. You need to come. You, you have to share this. This is not. Go for it. Get in there. I'll share this and then I'll step out. Okay, that's fine. Whatever you, whatever you say. Oh. She's still beautiful. I'll put. I'll, I don't need that. No. Nope, okay. Nope, just right there. 
So as we were in prayer, um, as I was kneeling by my husband, what came to me is that as he was addressing the church, all I heard in my spirit is that there is a shakening that's going to happen in the church that is so strong. And this is for the body at large. That is so strong that only those that have their eyes fixed on Jesus will stand. And But it's necessary to happen. The shaking that's getting ready to take place is necessary because the Lord needs his bride to be focused. So keep your eyes focused. And I saw literally um, our feet being planted in firm foundation, like, you know, concrete when it's settling and it's, and it's wet and it dries and our feet are like solid in him. And we were focused on him and I saw our eyes fixed on him. And that's the posture he wants his church firm and grounded on him, fixed on him, not looking to the right or the left because what's getting ready to unfold and take place is beyond what we can think or imagine. And we have to be fixed on him. We have to be so just devoted and just focused on him, which is why he's trying to address his bride and get you refocused. That is not about ministry. It's not about all these other things. It's about him. And that's why he wants us to return to our first love, which is him. Nothing else can get in the way. So that's what I felt. I'm not going to add more or take away. That's exactly what I heard in my spirit. So to stay focused on him, that's why he's redirecting us to be so caught up in his presence and seeking his face because there's more that he's going to pour out for the end time because we are living in those times now, presently. So be encouraged. Amen. And I absolutely agree and concur with that word. Man, it just chokes me up like it did this morning. It's beautiful. And so here I am, and I'm, 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 this thing comes into my feed randomly. I've never, I don't follow Chris Garcia. This is who it is, Chris Garcia. Looks like a good guy. I don't, I don't follow the account. And it pops up in my feed, not just pops in my feed on YouTube. It's like pops up on top. And I've gotten used to this because this is a lot of times how things will happen. And I'm like, okay, I better check it out. And I did. And I was in tears. And I'm like, Lord. There it is. You see, we keep looking in the wrong place. We're trying to win a war by looking at an enemy. And we can't, we, we're trying to win a war by, by trying to fight off the things of an enemy. This is a clown show this enemy's doing. This enemy is like a bunch of clowns coming out of the back of a Volkswagen in a circus arena. And they keep pouring out and pouring out. I don't know how they do that anyway. But it's kind of crazy. They all fold themselves up inside like little pretzels and then they come out of it and they keep pouring out of it and pouring out of it and all these clowns come out and they run around and they're in clown suits this is the deep state that's the metaphor for the deep state and we watch it and we go oh look at how many there are and we oh we need to we need to rebuke them and we need to stop them and oh they're going to force us to do this and they're going to force us to do that and and our father is up here going uh yo 
How about eyes on me? I already gave you the authorities to deal with that. Look at me, declare the authorities that you need, and I will make it true. For through Christ to me, anything said in the name of Jesus to me, it will be made and shall shall be made true. And so we're still out here looking at the clowns. And so the next thing, and it hits me, and this is when it comes out of this, is as this hits me, all of a sudden it's like, well, of course. I literally got up from the piece. I walked, just walked across the house, and it just hit me. And it's like, why are we missing this? God is not going to start with a capital of the United States to fix this. God is not going to start by doing all these pieces, even, even the sense of the children. For God to work in this world, to reset everything, the place that God is going to place his greatest move first on the board is going to be to reset the church. And in so resetting the church, he's going to reset it in the hearts of his people, his remnant, and those that will keep their eyes on him. Those that anchor themselves firmly on that rock of faith, knowing very well that as you stand on that rock of faith, everyone else's house who is built on sand will go away and be torn down. But those that have the eyes for him, they will be the foundation of where we go forward, the foundation of resetting this nation to bring back that old way where trust is a handshake, where people value their jobs, where the stewardship of the world becomes a thing of pride and joy, where money doesn't drive relationships, where stupid ideas of eating bugs is looked at like, what's wrong with you? If you want to do it, it's yours to do, but it is not the walk of God. And it's all centered on the one critical note in this entire thing. It is to reset the church. And it's there. Someone just asked in here, what about the churches that just teach love? Not my church. I'm not going, so don't ask. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you because I don't believe in it. And I don't believe there's just a church of love because life is much greater than that. And love, as we say it, is not like we think. Love isn't just like gushy and hanging on to each other and, and accepting everybody. Love is brutal. Jesus flipped tables, and that's love. Jesus flipped tables and took out a whip, and that's love. And that's the power. Love is the willingness to die for another. Jesus died for us. That's the ultimate act of love. When you've been in conflict and, and you've been in war, you understand, like, when you're willing to give your life, you don't even think about it. It's not like you sit down and go, hey, Joe, Jim, Fred, um, I want you to know that if something happens, I'll give my life to you. That's not what happens. In the conflict of scenes, it is a massive place where we step in and we are willing to do whatever is necessary. And you find people that are incredibly heroic, incredibly selfless. That's that act of stepping in. That's love. So... God, the whole vision from the day, from the morning to then, all came clear. And that's why this peace became so poignant on the day. We're, we are the children of the Most High. We are stewards of this earth. God has given us the authorities to tear down fortresses. We are not issued weapons of the flesh. We are if issued the weapons, the mighty weapons of the Spirit. And in so doing, we literally can tear down fortresses. But our eyes have to be on him, not on the problem. And the church in God's move has to be reset. 
It has to be restored. And he's doing it. This is part of it. Others are part of it. I don't know Chris Garcia, but for this word, it seems to me he's part of it. His wife is part of it. And there's many others. But it's not within the dead stone walls. It's not within the skinny jean pulpit. It's not within the marshmallow pew. It's in the world. It's in our hearts. It's in our eyes of where we look. It's where we pursue. And so as we confront these problems, the biggest part of that message overall is as we put our eyes on him to use the authorities in this war that we are given, not meek, not, not with, with weakness, but with boldness, but with a meek heart. A meek heart is a, is a warrior that walks in the glory of God that knows the powers in which he or she possess. And you using those with restraint, not willy-nilly, not just randomly, because you know that there are things that you can do that truly are easier and passionate and the love of Christ. And that's ultimately sharing the gospel of Jesus. But when you step into that fight in the final time, when you're finally at such a point, you have to step into the ring and your enemy looks at you and laughs and says, do you have nothing? It's then that the warrior erupts. And through the authorities given to us, we are then at a place where the enemy then realizes who we really are. It's the revealing. It's at that point when we haven't had to reveal for so much of our life. But finally, the hour is upon us to reveal who we are. We are the children of the Most High. And as we step into the arena and the enemy is laughing and we've been a little bit bloodied and we're a little bit dirty, but we're not weak. We've just given the enemy a chance to find their way. We've been patient. We've extended grace. We've even extended mercy. But in the hour that we're in now, this is a time now to reach into heaven, to put our eyes on Jesus. In his name, declare the things that we need to rebuke this enemy and to break the spiritual strongholds that severs them from their source of power and leaves them flailing here as meat sacks without their fake God on their side anymore. And it's there that we can find the greatest move to bring them home, if they so choose, to the mightiness and the acceptance of Christ in their heart. This is the hour. And there has to be a fearlessness moving forward. There has to be a humbleness moving forward. There has to be a heart, a loving and forgiving heart at the center of all of this. And as we do these things and we pull these, pull these things together, we begin to see the mighty moves of heaven around us. I'm encouraged. I don't think I've ever felt stronger in my life than I do right now. And I hope you feel the same. Because this is an hour now where the scriptures are literally coming alive and they're being woven together into a tapestry that's creating an armor that's perfect for this day and this time and this hour. And we are literally here in this moment. And again, the cloud of witnesses looks upon us. And I will tell you, there's a cloud of witnesses. They're looking in just joy and even a, a, a holy envy, if you will, to where we are. So awestruck at what we're going through. And we have them here with us. The confirmation of the faithfulness of Father 
and the reminder that we ourselves are walking and must walk in the most greatness of all hours of faith, greater than we've ever reached. And it's just, it's so incredible because as we step there, it's like I, God's giving me the vision to see it now. There's nothing that the enemy can do. We like to say things like, well, it, this is already won. The enemy's already lost. Okay, that's great. Those are, that's our nice little metaphors. This is an active war. And as we are stepping into that body of Christ, as we're walking in with the meekness of the glory of heaven, as we're putting our eyes on Jesus, as we're declaring in Jesus' name to the Father, as we are part of this, we are part of this great shaking. We are part of this transformation. And it happens through us, with us, with our Father, under the banner of Christ. We are fighting these battles. And what I think we've missed in the as we kind of close this out tonight, I say kind of because it's not really a closable topic. It's only one we're going to leave seeds for many more discussions. We have already been in the trenches of this fight. And we have been wailing demons and slaying evil. And that's been part of the last three years. The brutalness of a family member attacking you. You're not at the family. You're going after the demon. And you've survived these attacks. A job, a family issue, loss of of friends, death that's around us. This is a real war. And the manifestation of the spiritual is around us in the physical. So be bold. Be humble, but be bold. And use the authorities as a meek warrior. But when you pull that sword, it does not go back into its sheath until the enemy is slain. This is the hour now that the great warriors of the kingdom are now being awakened and called to the line. And you know in your heart where you are. Pray on it. Let God lead you. Be fearless and know there's no reason to have fear or anxiety of any kind. Because that hour now that we're in is the critical hour of victory over this enemy. And it won't go away quickly. We won't quickly destroy this enemy and they just vanish. We'll have to pursue them for a long time because the greater battle following this will be the restoration of the love in Jesus and the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But to get to that great point, we have to destroy this fortress that stands before us, break down these strongholds, and we possess all the tools to do it. Whether it's a storm, whether it's financial, whether it's an AI, whether it's, it's a pornography, whether it is a child situation or child sex trafficking, we have been given the tools to destroy and defeat this enemy and have victory in this war. All we have to do is proclaim them, declare them in the name of Jesus, bring them to the Father, and to do so with the humbleness of the heart and to have a loving and forgiving heart in the presence of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you today, we're just very humbled and very blessed for the wisdom that has been passed to us to reflect on the way you are continuing to weave this perfect tapestry of an armor in such an hour as this. Father, we're encouraged. And it's a time when it seems that so much was 
overwhelming us. At times it seemed it was greater than us as an enemy tried to attack us in so many different ways to get us to believe that somehow that enemy, the enemy was greater than you. Forgive us if we failed in that test. Forgive us in any moment if we questioned or doubted your strength. And as we place that before you, Father, hear us now that we hear your words to lean in in the most amazing of ways, to step in now. And as Hebrews 12, 1, 2 reminds us, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, but who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which is so easily and cleverly entangles us. Let us run with the endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distance us, dis- distract us, and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, dis- disregarding the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. And so, Father, we step into that place to be awakened as your children, the children of the Most High, to step into a greater place of our authorities, to use these authorities and these tools of war to truly break the the enemy strongholds of the spiritual realm, to shatter their hold and their actions, and to bring that here in the realms of earth to now walk as the true stewards of this world, which you have given us to steward, to guide and protect. Guide us, Father, now in these hours. Open our eyes to the greaterness of what you bring. Humble us as we must. Forgive us as we have stumbled. Raise us up in this hour. And Jesus, show us the path that lies before us. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. This is an awesome time to be alive, I'm telling you. There's going to be some serious stories going with those folks in the cloud of witnesses. It's going to be like, let me tell you what it was like down here. <laughs> it's all going to be good. Patriots, I hope you had a wonderful weekend. I know I did. Tiring, but good. We're about a week and a half out from Bars Fest. Lots of people getting tickets, great things. Websites looking really good. Good updates that are active and current on the website. If you have questions, check that out. We'll be giving an hour-by-hour schedule this week. Hope to see you all there. It's going to be an event of events. Guarantee it. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God does always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Pacific. 
It's going to be like octo-shot coffee hour for bended knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. But we
sick out of my mind like the dark in the distance. 